When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to this episode of Peak to Pit, Allie Peak, TJ Pittinger, talking all the sports that are happening uh, in this kind of lullish time of year. I guess we have some stuff. We have a little NBA. We got a little hockey. Uh, I guess we're starting up with baseball, right? Uh, Going to maybe move into a little period of time here. We have some interesting stuff going on. March Madness will be happening. Uh, spring practice for at least the best team in the country is currently going on um you want to talk about the gators first tj your favorite topic my favorite team in the country how the about best that best team in the country coming off that impressive eight and four all right i'll give you the your favorite i was gonna say coming off that impressive eight and four season um with a heisman trophy candidate best team in the country let's hear uh, what's going on so with- What's going on with UF's practice? We'll start out there. Um, Mullen talked yesterday, said that he, you know, likes the attitude, likes the approach the players are bringing to practice. I'm pretty sure you could probably find a clip of every coach saying that before every, uh, or during every spring, every year, ever. Anyway, um, he says the team's pushing each other to be better. Something that caught my uh, ear yesterday though, was that he said something to the effect of that both quarterbacks are going to be playing, um, early because he really wants both of them to be ready in case something happens. And, uh, so we should really expect to see a two quarterback system, at least in the beginning of the spring. Um, coach speak, probably, in my opinion, it makes sense, right? If you have two guys that have never started for UF or started for a program that they both get some playing time. So they both know the the system. So like on the surface, I think that makes sense. It concerns me though, because it's not what we did last year. It's not what we did the year before. I understand Florida had Kyle Trask, but like he's just as apt to injury as anybody else. Right. So like, why is it a priority now to make sure that you have more than one guy that's ready to go when that wasn't, uh, uh, an issue before. Um, so 
let me give let me give Mullen the benefit of the doubt here, which is not something that I do often on this podcast. I think that with the way that guys transfer in and out of schools and if they're not getting their number called, then they're uh, not ready to or they're ready to like just take off and bolt. Like it, it's it's kind of rare right. to see guys just sit around sure. and wait for their time anymore. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but I think that uh, the first side of it is that Mullen knows that and, and Mullen's plan for the future. I mean, I, I've played the, the devil's advocate of saying that Emory should have been the guy like all along, but like, I think Mullen knows that Richardson yeah. is yeah. that guy for the future and wants to keep him engaged, wants to keep him around and, and early because Emory, unless Emory comes out and just goes berserk, I mean, we're going to have a really, really healthy competition next year. And for that starting spot. And so wanting to keep him engaged is a big part of it. Also, Mullen has the ability to do that. Last year, you couldn't do it because you started out with SEC games right off the bat and you're starting with Ole Miss and then you're going to A&M and then other things like that. This year, Florida's got like four cupcakes to start the year, right? I mean, Florida, maybe six once you consider like Tennessee and Kentucky and all that. Um, So. They, they open the SEC ah, season so, with Alabama. So like so six or seven or five or six, however you look at that. They play FAU and they play USF. Third game of the year is Alabama. So, But both quarterbacks should probably see time in that one too, like once Alabama gets well, up high enough. So I mean, if you think about it from that perspective, you know, you're getting chances from the perspective those guys of in, in we're going to get blown out <laughs> week three, so we'll make sure we have, you know, Three guys will get plenty of playing time or two guys or whatever. Uh, I don't have an issue with having multiple guys ready, right? I think that in it, that's a great policy in general, that you have multiple guys that are ready to go. Um, I think that Emory Jones will be the starter. I think that that's what most Gator fans assume. I'm definitely not one of those people that thinks he should have been the starter last year. But I think that he's the starter going forward. It's just interesting to me that, Mullen hasn't even said that. And I do get the concept of keeping everybody uh, happy, right? So that you can try to vo- avoid transfers. Um, Anthony Richardson is a Gainesville native. Um, he played some last year. I, I I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're trying to keep him happy. I, I don't really know. But they didn't weren't really worried about keeping Emory Jones happy, right? They put him in a couple plays here and there, but it wasn't anything major. I just think it's weird. He hasn't named Jones the starter already. Um, But, you know, uh, that makes me worried that maybe there really is a quarterback competition going on, which again, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. We want the best guy to play, but it just makes me think that, I don't know, uh, maybe, maybe Emory Jones is not as talented as we thought. I don't know. I hope he is. Um, but either way, Mullen says we're going to have multiple guys play early in the season. Whoever the starter is, is going to, you know, will be the starter. But we also want everybody to be ready to play. That, that he says that that's always his policy, um, and he says he will not name a starter more than likely through the spring. Um, and I, I think part of that is you do want to encourage competition, right, at every position, even quarterback, where it, there seems to be like kind of an heir apparent to the starting position. Um, and Anthony Richardson is good, is very good. I, I'm sure Mullen wishes there was maybe another year between these two guys so that he had a little bit more time with both. Um, I'll be interested to see what both can do with the playbook. Emory Jones obviously has had a little bit of advantage in having the playbook a little bit longer. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they have to whittle it down for either one of them, if they're just ready to open it up, what. 
Um, but yeah, that's, that's where Florida is on the quarterback competition. Um, I think also getting Richardson. Listen, I know that you're not going to like this, um, but this year is going to be extremely difficult for Florida, one way or the other, right? Like you could have brought Trask back, and this year would be a very difficult year for Florida. We we all said that last yeah. year was the the year that Florida needed to to yeah needed to make a difference. You're for all intent and purposes, like you just said, probably starting the year with an SEC loss, um, which is not easy to recover from because you essentially need to be perfect from there on out. Um, Georgia is returning their starting quarterback who looked a lot better after Florida beat Georgia in Jacksonville. And so obviously, you know, every year that you lose that game, I mean, it's pretty much over, but you, you almost are guaranteed that second SEC loss with, um, with Alabama, just like happened to Georgia last year, right? Like Georgia lost, um, early to Alabama and that kind of did in any chances they had once they lost in Jacksonville. And so I'm not calling this season a wash for Florida. I mean, I think, I think Florida has a great chance to go 10 and two this year, nine and three, like at worst, but the season sets up pretty difficult anyway, from an sec perspective. And so in a season where you do have a lot of really easy games up front, which you didn't have last year, I think it's great to get Richardson as many reps as you can because if there's a competition right now, there's definitely going to be a competition next year. And, you know, if that gap is close now, how much closer is it after Richardson's had a bunch of reps in the regular season? And I'm not by any means saying that Mullen's going to throw in the towel or anything this year. That's not my implication. But I'm just telling you, it's going to be a tougher year for Florida. Gator fans, I'm still picking you guys to go like 9-3, and 10-2. Like a tougher year, but a good year. But then it becomes, okay, we got Richardson with some reps. We can sell to him, okay, it's another competition. You both played a lot last year. You keep both guys in for 2022, and then you let the chips fall where they may with whoever the starter is, and whoever your starter is has gotten a bunch of reps, and 2022 becomes your year that you really try and make another big push. George is probably not returning returning a quarterback in 2022 from 2021 um you know you're making that push with hopeful or maybe not hopefully but probably Richardson is your starting quarterback who has all the talent in the world so i don't know i think it's i think it's smart by dan you know to whether there's a quarterback controversy there or not or competition or whatever you want to call it i think it's smart for him to get Richardson as many reps as, as he can his reps in that FAU and USF game are going to look much, much different than his reps against Alabama. Like, you know, I mean, unless he just comes out and, you know, starts his career off like Jameis did or somebody like that, you know, his reps are going to look different against Alabama. They'll probably, they probably will use him kind of like they use Emory, a series or two here or there. But for them to say like, Hey, we're going to trot him out there against FAU. I mean, they could trot me or you out there against FAU and, and be totally fine. So, I mean, I think that them using him, a lot keeps him engaged. Have they it. have the chance to get him rest. I, I don't have a problem um, with it at all. But yeah, I mean, I don't um, have, I don't have an issue with it. Um, I don't, I don't think Florida has an issue with Georgia next year. I think Florida is almost guaranteed a loss against Alabama. I never want to say a hundred percent on anything because this is why we play the games. But I think that if you look at the record, uh, or you you try and project the record for next year, it's 
Florida can't run the table on their schedule. Um, and I think that's because of Alabama. Part of it is that you get them week three. Um, but even if you get them week 12, uh, it's going to be really difficult to beat Alabama. Um, I, But I do think it's possible for Florida to go 11-1. and one. Um, The good news for Florida is I think they're almost guaranteed um, – their almost guaranteed loss is to a West team. Right. So I don't know that I think it's like quite as dire as you think it is. I think Florida has a lot of question marks though. So it's difficult to predict what they could be looking at. They could just as easily be looking at a four loss season. It just depends on how guys step up and fill in. Yeah. Which we both said last year that they would probably go eleven and one, ten and two. Not, you know, we would not. Well, minus a couple games, right? Like eight and two or nine and one because of the pandemic. But we wouldn't have predicted four losses this year, you know. And so, I mean, that could obviously happen the other way. I mean, I can pick nine and three when we do our schedule prediction show when the season starts, and then they go. I mean, I'm not going to pick twelve and zero, but they could go eleven and one for sure. I think that Florida loses a lot of pieces, and that's going to make it tough, but. You know, they play in an East that every game in the East is should be a win, right? Should kind of be an auto win except for Georgia. And so the expectation is if Florida finishes any worse than second in the East, it is a massive problem, right? Everyone in the East is going to take a loss to Georgia and And everyone in the East is going to take a loss to Florida. And then it's kind of like what happens in those cross-rivalry games. Yeah. Um, So... You know, Florida's not losing to, I mean, I hope, well, I mean, not that necessarily I hope, but I mean, for the sake of everyone's sanity, I mean, Florida's not losing to Tennessee or Kentucky or Vandy or Missouri or South Carolina next year. Like none of those teams are good. And so the down year that Florida might have next year at going nine and three is not that bad. They've got easy games at the beginning of the schedule. They're going to beat Florida State at the end of the year. I mean, barring some kind of mass, you know, collapse by UF. And then, you know, Florida, Georgia, I'm sorry, Alabama, Georgia, LSU are going to be tough. And then we'll see kind of where it falls outside of that. They really shouldn't yeah. lose. Like if you were ranking like at the toughest games, I mean, Alabama's first, Georgia's second, uh, LSU's third. And then fourth is like, I don't know, who's the hottest team at that point, right? Like does, does Florida start, State's offense like figure something out with McKenzie Milton? Points, does you know, does Kentucky's defense back. like really build? Like you're just kind of like, yeah, you're just kind of like, throwing darts against the wall to see who the who the fourth uh, best team on the schedule bad. would be. And somebody will step up, whether it's Florida State, whether it's Florida State looking a little better, whether it's Missouri or Kentucky or one of these teams looking a little better, but like not good enough to say like, oh, they're going to win today. So anyway, um, it'll be it'll be fun to see how they are able to kind of rebound and what what happens yeah. from and here about LSU um, LSU being on the losing, schedule like uh, LSU last year was an anomaly for LSU the past decade LSU has been good right so I would expect LSU to be much improved from where they were they they have you know the number one recruiting class uh in the country like three or four years ago. They've got a great class that came in after they won a national championship. They signed another great class this past year. So, uh, you know, the, the LSU that we saw last year, who still beat Florida, but won't be the LSU team that anybody sees next season. Yeah, I think they'll be better. Um Kind of comes down. I actually to kind of hope uh, Dan Mullen requires everyone you know, to play barefoot not that, uh, uh, next season, just to 
cover our bases. Yeah, well, I mean, you come into our Where's house. the other team's shoe, though. <laughs> you can't make the other team do that. Um, Florida State picked up a commitment from five-star athlete Sam McCall. Um, he is the number 35, 35th ranked player nationally. He is the number sixth ranked player in um, Florida, number five athlete overall. Um, good pickup for Florida State. Probably played defensive back out of Lakeland, Florida. Uh, this recruiting class coming up, 2022. Yeah, uh, Florida I mean, State's it, second five star. That's huge. Yeah. Massive pickup. Ohio State has three five stars. LSU, Georgia, and Oklahoma have two Alabama each. Have and then Florida State is the only other team with two. Obviously, other teams they have one to start, but they uh I mean they will obviously finish with more than that. Florida State, it is so early, um, but Florida State currently sits with a number nine class. Im- impressive. Um, for like you said, how things have been there lately, right? I, Florida State's got to win. Um, these commitments mean nothing this early uh, if they don't end up winning. But uh, Florida State has the number four player overall committed in Travis Hunter and then just picked up, like I said, another five-star uh, Sam McCall, who it'll be interesting to see if they can win enough to keep guys um, engaged and committed you know, guys don't want to play for losers. So Florida State can't go five and seven next year and expect to hang on to a great, great recruiting class. You can only sell the future so much. But guys apparently like what Norvell is selling at this point. Obviously, you need to see that on the field, but he's done a good job bringing in transfers with, we have obviously already talked about McKenzie Milton, but he brought in transfers from Auburn, South Carolina, and Georgia. So SEC level talent there. And so we'll see, obviously, how those pan out. I feel like the transfer portal is like a a total crapshoot. Like it can be about 50-50. And if you go 50-50, I think that's good. Like you just don't want to strike out on everybody. But, um, uh, you know, good good on Mike Norvell for for getting guys in after three pretty rough seasons. We talked about Florida's schedule. Florida State's schedule is not easy at all. When you look at what they've got um, coming up this year, they start off the year with Notre Dame, um, and then they have their regular, you know, kind of rough road um, games at Florida, at Clemson, against Miami, at North Carolina. Out of those five games, um, Notre Dame, North Carolina, Miami, Florida, and Clemson, you know, if Florida State was to go two and three in that, which I'm not predicting, I think we'd be thrilled. If they were to go one and four, I think I'd be happy. You know, either upset North Carolina or Miami. I don't really see no- Notre Dame or Clemson or Florida as feasible wins at this point. Obviously, things could change um, as the season goes on, but uh, you're probably starting off with like four or five losses right there. And so then, you know, say that's four losses and, and you upset a Miami or you upset North Carolina. After that, you're looking at, okay, well, we got to go perfect yeah. to go eight and four. Or if we lose all five, we got to go perfect to go seven and five. And so, you know, Florida State should beat, you know, other teams on their schedule, Jacksonville State, Wake Forest, Louisville, Syracuse, UMass, NC State, Boston College. Like, you know, those teams are great, but, I mean, who knows? I mean, you, you sometimes you slip up and lose to teams you shouldn't, like Florida did last year, you know, against LSU. You just are going to have games like that. And so it's going to be tough to keep guys committed if you're going – 
I mean, seven and five is probably the worst that they can do. Eight and four would be a fantastic year for Florida State, I think, especially coming off a three-win season. Um, but you can't go – I don't think you can go six and six or five and seven. So it, he's got his work cut out for him, but he's he's doing well on the trail. He's got to figure it out on the uh, on the field. And that's where I think a guy like McKenzie Milton coming in and transferring hopefully helps a ton because a guy like McKenzie Milton, if he's at 100% strength and health, Right. helps you a ton in those games that you should win against Wake Forest, against Syracuse, against uh, Louisville, against NC State, Boston College. Those are the games you can't slip up, and if you have the better quarterback, it helps you a ton there. I don't know that McKenzie Milton does enough to put you over the top against Florida or Notre Dame or just whomever. He should be enough to help in some of those games if he's at 100%. If he's not, Every game is going to be a battle, and we'll see if we can get to bowl eligibility. If you can get to seven and five, you can get to eight and five with a bowl win, which obviously makes it that much more important. So um, we'll see. But good pickup by uh, by Mike Norvell to get again second five star yeah, in the class. We are happen. super early. Signing day is eleven months away. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes as we get closer. Florida loses uh, former five star. Tight end transfer from LSU, Eric Gilbert. Um, not the best news. Obviously, folks were wanting him to be the heir apparent to Kyle Pitts, who was featured in Dan Mullen's offense and uh, has pro day coming up yeah. here pretty soon and, and should be a top yeah. top 10, top 15 pick, which is kind of unheard of for a tight end. But um, Eric Gilbert decommits yeah, and well, said that you know, he will be announcing so he put out he's a on tweet, campus and ends up signing um, somewhere. A couple days ago that said, essentially, um, thanks, Florida, said he was decommitting, said that he would not be announcing until he had already enrolled and was on campus at his new school. He has since deleted that tweet, though, which is also interesting. That doesn't mean that he's like, you know, back with Florida or anything else, but that tweet no longer exists. Um, I would I still assume that he did reenter the transfer portal, but you know, I don't, I don't know. The tweet's gone, but I, um, you know, this stinks that he was supposed to follow Pitts. I think that that was what Florida thought. Okay, great. We've got a major piece of the puzzle figured out. This is a, a stud five-star athlete. Um, I know LSU was really sad to see him go. I did see when he had posted that tweet, a lot of, a lot of LSU fans had, had written like, Hey, don't leave us. Just come back. You know, you can have a change of heart. It's okay. Just come back. So like, clearly they still, wanted him. He played in eight games for LSU. He had like 35 catches, couple touchdowns. Um, he opted out of the beginning of the beginning of December for the rest of the season and then had announced that he was uh, entering the transfer portal. Um, so I have heard that he's got some stuff going on outside of football. I don't really know, but this, you know, this is not great for Florida for sure. Yeah, obviously, there was so much excitement about him coming in, and then some disappointment around him leaving. I, I don't think Florida has done such a good job of bringing in it, talent. It, I don't think it's uh, not you know, that, absolutely I mean, detrimental or anything, right? No matter who was filling in, you're talking about like uh, that. Pitts was a generational player for Florida. Uh, yeah, uh, I think so. I mean, best tight end in Florida history. I think so. Unless you had like a cousin or something. Yeah, well, my cousin was a tight end played Alabama, not Florida. (laughs) Not partial to any tight ends at Florida. Uh, But I I mean, yeah, I think this is that good. 
<laughs> yeah. Only, this guy's name only Eric. Eric's, right? Spell it the right way, though. Um, but anyway, but so All uh, right. I mean, they had uh, Kenmore Gamble and um, our Gamble and uh, Zipperer on the roster already, who both were good filling in for Pitts during games that he missed this past season. As is, they obviously know the playbooks; they're ready to go. I think Florida will be fine with him. Um, there are some rumblings about potentially being grade related. Um, I don't know if that's the case. There's also been some rumblings about there being some personal stuff going on. If that's the case, uh, you know, these are 19 year old kids, right? So we, we wish the best for them and we hope that whatever's going on in their life isn't something that's stressful or dramatic or, or whatever. And you always have to take care of what's going on in your personal life before you worry about a game. So uh, it stinks, but if there is something more to this, I hope that everything works itself out for him personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, be interesting to see where he ends up landing, um, if he ends up playing next year or gets everything taken care of or, or whatnot. Uh, basketball season is winding down. Florida had a big win over Kentucky this weekend. Kentucky's not very good this year, but always great. when you're. I, that's the only game every year. I cheer for Florida to do well in. Actually, I don't have that hatred like I do in football. Like I hope Florida just kind of wins out. It makes our win against Florida a little bit better. But I, I, John Calipari is my least favorite coach, like in any sport of all time. Like I active, like I didn't know the game. I was kind of busy sat. We were at Disney and then driving home and um, just, I wasn't even watching the game, but if I would have been, that's the only game like I actively want. Like I'm not going to cheer, you know, go Gators on the timeline or anything. But that's the only game I want Florida to win every year. Um, I just cannot stand Calipari. I don't like Kentucky. So good win for Florida this weekend. They play tomorrow night against Missouri, and they play Sunday at noon against Tennessee. Um, and a couple of important games: Tennessee's nine and seven in the conference. Florida's nine and five. You know, it's all going to kind of come down to percentage points, but Florida probably needs to beat Tennessee. I don't know what all the scenarios are, but LSU's nine and six right behind them. Florida probably needs to win the next two games. So they hold on to the three seed. I don't really think that Florida has a great shot at getting up to the two seed, which is where Arkansas is now. But I think Florida staying in that three seed would be ideal uh, so that they don't have to see Alabama in the, uh, until the championship of the sec. So don't want to drop down to four or five. Um, but Florida has had a a pretty good year. I mean, nine and six in conference. I mean, you're nine and five in conference. I'm sorry, 13 and six overall. They've won their last three. They've been really good at home, six and two at home, five and four on the road. Florida is going to make the tournament as somewhere around an eight or nine seed. Maybe they could sneak up to like a seven if, if they go on a little bit of a run here at the end. But uh, I think avoiding Alabama in the SEC championship will be big for Florida to at least get to that championship game. And then if you lose, I mean, you lose to a top 10 team in the SEC championship. I mean, that bodes well, too, because quality losses mean a lot in basketball. So um, um, are you, are I'm you not on the to say extend my bike train or not quite? Yet? <laughs> I think in a COVID uh, crazy year, he wasn't going anywhere, basically, regardless. I think when you lose your top guy at the beginning of the year as well. It makes it even more difficult. They've dealt with some some stuff this year. So I am happy with the way that the season has played out. This is not where I put the bar for Florida basketball generally. I think it's fine for this year. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Speaking of extensions, Florida State did extend Leonard Hamilton over the next five years. He will coach until he is like 78 years old, something insane. So Florida State with a five-year extension for Leonard Hamilton. They had a little bit of a rough, again, I saw the very end of this, rough uh, loss to UNC. They led by like 14 or 16 at some po- at one point. Could not hold on in the second half. UNC stormed back and ended up winning. But Florida State controls their own destiny. If they win the next two games, which they play tomorrow night, Wednesday night, against Boston College at home, and then Saturday at noon in South Bend against Notre Dame, if they win those two games, which they'll be favored in both fairly heavily, Notre Dame will be a little bit tougher than BC. If they win both of them, they win the ACC. Um, I think they're looking like a three seed. If they win the ACC and then they run through the tournament and win that as well, I think they could sneak up to a, a two seed. So like, if they win their next... Whatever, whatever that would be, five games. If they go 5-0 and oh down this stretch here, I think they'll do just enough to get up to be either the last two seed or the first three seed um, yeah. in the tournament. So March Madness should be fun this year. I, I We had this debate a while back, and I said that I like March Madness more than bowl season. Well, bowl season sucked this year, year so, so I'm this, hoping that March Madness sure like redeems may, me there. Because bowl season – I'm – May get you there. Um, first time I've ever been right about anything on the show. Not, but I hope um, you're right besides about Emory. I was definitely right about Emory. Um, <laughs> baseball, more of the same. FSU gets swept by Pitt, got absolutely demolished, um, and then led big in the the Sunday game and and blew a big lead and lost out. Uh, Florida had a little bit of trouble against Sanford on Sunday, but ended up sweeping their sweet series as well. Um, I don't know what's up with FSU this year. I haven't really watched a ton, but they just don't look very good to start. Florida does look good to start. So um, um, so we'll see. It's tough for me to get into baseball this so early. We like once, go once to May a rolls around, baseball I think games, which to me makes it easier to get into. Also, there hasn't been nearly as many Gator baseball games on TV as there generally is I don't know what was going on because they were all slated to be on TV or at least available for streaming and now a lot of them haven't been so I don't know what the deal is there I haven't had the time to figure it out it may be a very simple answer but I just don't care enough to look into it but I do like Gator baseball in general I do like baseball in general um, I actually am a huge US softball fan, softball fan the program is so damn good and they're so fun to watch. So fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, all I think of them are more fun in person than I'm just gonna they're, the they're just more, way more fun on TV than the baseball games are. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Because they're just more fast paced. There's a lot more going on. You know, you also don't have so college baseball i've struggled with this for years but like i like the mlb and the drop off between like the mlb and college baseball is massive like you know a lot of the you know it's like mlb then triple a then double a then like college baseball is like somewhere around single a maybe just a smidge below now yeah obviously florida's got a great program and I mean, for years, Florida State's had it, but like you just see things in college baseball, like guys booting balls, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like it is so bad. Softball's not like that. Like softball, like they're usually pretty good. It's more fast paced. There's a lot more offense. I like watching softball. Like it's it's pretty good. So, um, Florida, Florida State play this weekend. Um, kind of a weird series, but Florida State comes to Gainesville. 
on Friday night, and then the two teams play again in Tallahassee on Saturday. So because of COVID, kind of a weird setup of the year. Um, but we'll see how that uh, how that plays out. I will I will always yeah. watch like the yeah. when when the two teams yeah. play each other in anything. Not anything, but but most things. <laughs> um, definitely baseball, softball, basketball, football, soccer, like all that stuff is is fun. So um let me see what time it is. Let's see how far into this we are. Half an hour. Okay, I think we have this and then we can get out of here. As soon as we got off the air last week, um we got some pretty scary news. Um uh, obviously we dealt with the Kobe situation yeah. last year in 2020 but we got the tiger news did you i'm pretty sure i, I, I almost asked I did you see this of course you saw this everybody in the world saw this um yeah i can't remember this far back but i do remember <laughs> happening um pretty pretty scary stuff tiger woods um he's carting up rolling like a billion feet you know yeah. Um, I guess hit a curb and then rolled forever and they had to use like the jaws of life to get him out airlift him to a hospital. He is. Oh yeah. Moved to recovery facility since then. Not a lot of details out around it, but um, obviously now we're, we're not breaking anything here, but like just so scary with everything that's kind of oh, gone on know, for last year. Really You're like, Oh, when will bad news stop? Weekend, and it didn't um, last week. So uh, before, uh, he had done some interviews where he had not ruled out coming back this season. Um, he's, he was obviously rehabbing um, an injury, but was hoping that there was a return on the horizon. Um, I don't know that we know everything. I know, doesn't he, he has a compound fracture of his leg and a pretty severe like ankle, broken ankle as well. I don't know. There may be other injuries that we aren't aware of. And like we said, multiple surgeries. So that does, uh, you know, it, that's heartbreaking. And I think it's, it's bigger than just for Tiger Woods. I think it's a blow to the sport. I think the sport's better when Tiger Woods is healthy. I think it's uh, even just from like a marketing standpoint, right? People tune in to watch golf when Tiger Woods is playing. Um, so I think uh, it really does stink. Yeah, it's definitely... I mean, you just hope and pray that it's not the end of his career. I've seen different threads and stuff and saying that like, well, it, if it is this leg, they've talked about like which leg it's been, I think like it's, it's a yeah, little I bit mean, better I and he can maybe come back from right it. But he's also the guy that's come back from like, five back sure, surgeries right? and just like how effective can he be? For sure. But you just hope it's not the end of the career. Yeah. It was really, really cool on Sunday. I'm sure you saw the tweets red. and the videos and stuff on Facebook about like basically everybody on tour wearing red and black. Like we were going out to dinner that night and I looked at Karen's like, can I just wear a red polo and black uh, for our anniversary? Can I just wear a red polo and black pants? And she's like, well, I don't mm-hmm. think so. How about, I said, How about a backwards, you know, Nike hat? And she's like, but that was cool. Yeah. And it just shows what guys like him mean to the, uh, the sport and the sports world in general. Right. Like, and that's what you saw. I mean, he is in that, that tier of, you know, Kobe and Michael and LeBron and Brady and Messi and Ronaldo and Federer, like any, you know, we were, if if we had a little more time, we can do this next week. We're going to get into like our goat of goats talk and Tiger just transcends sports to where, like everybody 
everybody that wears a backwards Nike cap, like thinks about Tiger. Like you did that because of Tiger. Like I, I remember we would go down to the Ellington outlets and stuff like that. And we'd go in the Nike store. Now we have one by our house, thank God. But like we would go in the Nike store and mom would be like, what'd you want? And I'd be like, I want a, a black Nike hat, like Tiger wears. Like that's what I'm wanting. Okay. Well, that's what you can get. And so I wear it backwards. Like as like a little kid, like eight, 19 years old. So, um, you know, it, it's cool to see the tributes to him. Um, you know, Kobe passed, everybody was wearing like old school Kobe eight jerseys into the arenas and stuff like that. Or, you know, they, they were getting tattoos of Kobe or they were wearing Kobe's shoes, you know, like to play in and stuff like that. And so thank God that Tiger's still with us, but just insane and really cool to see the the tributes guys on tour doing that. Like their competitor, like obviously they all grew up like watching him, but like that was a guy they were still competing. I mean, maybe not anymore, but like a week or two ago, like competing against on tour. And they had that level of respect for him. There's no more iconic look than a red polo and black pants. You know, like everyone that sees that immediately, you don't have to be a golf fan. Like you immediately know what, that is and it's and it's cool to see um so anyway hope tiger gets better soon and hopefully we can see him out on the course again you know it would yeah it would suck I mean, this could have this could have ended still even worse than it did if and so you know for that and and given how things have gone the past year yeah. you know we i'm glad that it didn't because i feel like we've gotten bad news after bad news after bad news Yeah, the wording was so yeah. weird. Usually they say non-life-threatening yeah. injuries, um, and they weren't saying that. And then finally it came out that it was – and I don't know if that was me reading into it too much, but they just weren't saying that for like an hour or two. Yeah. And they were, it's yeah. just like, yeah. I understand his leg's messed up, but like is a femoral or artery cut or like what – you know, like is he just – okay, cut his legs off. But like is he going to live? Like that's all I care about. And so finally it came out that it wasn't – it was like a huge sigh of relief there. And I think that's what everybody was kind of worried about. So yeah, as bad as it will be or could be if, if he's not able to play anymore, thank God that yeah. if that's all yeah. that it is, you know, like kids didn't Same lose part. their dad, you know, at the end of the day could be way worse than him not being able to swing a club. So, um, all right, that's all I've got for this week. Do you Nothing have anything else? Any shout outs? Going anything exciting going on? We got a six-year-old, seven-year-old soccer tournament this weekend. So we're going to be at like 87 games plus a baseball game. Thankfully, no gymnastics this weekend. But uh, yeah, I will probably watch zero sports this weekend that don't involve my children. <laughs> well, those are probably much more exciting anyway. Um, NBA All-Star Game is on Sunday night. I don't know that that really matters. They're all kind of pissed that they have to go and play, but we'll see if Team LeBron can can get me a win on uh, Sunday night. Um, all right, that's all I've got too. So we will come back next week, similar time, similar place. I don't know exactly what time, and we will uh, we'll get you caught up on all the latest um, for Hayden and Hadley's sports because I know that's why you guys tune in. So we will see you guys next week. <laughs>